humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 384, and I had a conversation with Lauren Reiner. Lauren's a talented young singer, songwriter. I've written with her, and she's fabulous. She's working on new music as she recovers from brain surgery. She had the brain surgery procedure to ease her epilepsy. It's been an emotional and physical roller coaster, to be sure, but she's navigating her way back to health and happiness. She's fierce and brave and determined and a badass, if you ask me. There is a trigger warning on this episode. We talked about mental health aspects and depression and things like that. So make sure that if that's a trigger for you, you are aware of that. If you're looking for a way to help with the humanitarian crisis happening in the Middle East right now, check out unrwa.org. And the other great place to donate money, uh, resources, is uh, Doctors Without Borders. So just wanted to get that out there and prayers for everyone. Check out Hey Human Podcast for links and to learn more about my guests and the show. Check out SusanRuth.com to learn more about me and my other artistic endeavors. Follow Susan Ruthism and Hey Human Podcast on social media. Find my albums on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you get your music. And rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Be well. Stay safe. Be kind. And here we go. Okay. Get comfy. Feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I like the hair. It's cute. Thank you. It took it took a minute for me. You have good face. So <laughs> Thank you. you could even I feel like you could go Sinead full tilt and be a, fine. A lot of people have said that. It, it took you have some big time. Eyes. It took me a while. Like I really hated it at first. And honestly, like they I didn't think I was gonna have to shave my head. My surgeon was like it's it's just gonna be like a small part that's shaved, but your hair will cover it. And I was like, okay. And I woke up and literally like, <laughs> like a third of my head was shaved. They went for the inverted mohawk. Like I, yeah, I look like like the Cynthia doll from the Rugrats. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like I can't. What? So I had to cut it all off. Obviously. Shut up, Rugrats. Though. Yeah. Lauren Reiner, welcome to Hey Human. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm and, excited. Hey, yeah, I've never done a podcast before, so I'm so glad that you asked me. I'll be gentle. <laughs> I'm, I'm easy. <laughs> we met, I was trying to remember exactly, did we meet at the BMI thing? Was it the BMI thing where you like plug your phone in and play a song, or was it when I played the acoustic lounge? No, I think it's the. You I think plug it was that one. Phone in and play yeah, that a was song. Tw- it was twenty nineteen. Right before the pandemic, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah, that was a good. I loved twenty nineteen. It was a good year. I feel like everybody was kind of thriving, and then I was thriving. Me too. I was really thriving. I mean, I was ignoring things that I probably shouldn't have been ignoring, but I thought I was thriving. <laughs> well, hindsight is twenty twenty, and ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> Definitely. Let's okay. start with your start. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Pleasantville, New York, which is like 40, 45 minutes uh, north of New York City. They made a movie about Pleasantville. Is it? I don't. I don't know if it's the same one, and I honestly have never seen it. Which people are always like, "How have you never seen that movie? Like you grew up in Pleasantville." Who's in it? Is it Reese Witherspoon or something? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I feel like some of the town is in black and white. It's been yeah, so no, long, totally, that's and I exactly might be confusing it with another. No, that's movie. what it is. It's like when they go to Pleasantville. I think it's black and white, but where I grew up was fully color. So <laughs> Technicolor, no less. Yeah. How <laughs> was uh, childhood? Were you creative? You're a you're a songwriter, mm-hmm. performer. Yes, I yeah I always was into music from when I was super young like my dad plays guitar and I think he would play for us I know I don't know why I said I think I know he would play for us like before we went to sleep and then my dad's parents were both professional musicians dad's mother was a classical pianist and my dad's father was a professional violinist they ended up doing other stuff because it's really hard to make money from music obviously a lot worse now but even then it was you know very hard 
And I started taking classical piano when I was five. I started playing guitar when I was like 12. And I think I started voice lessons when I was 12. I wanted to start earlier, but my parents were like, no. Because I think it can be actually not so great for your voice to start voice lessons super young. Oh, now you tell me. I started yeah. at six. So. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it's fine. Your voice sounds great. So. Who knows? <laughs> I had a voice injury, a vocal injury in high school, actually. Did that you was, get a node or? No, a hemorrhage. Ooh, my, you went full tilt. Yeah. From singing too hard? I like had chronic strep at the time. This was before I got my tonsils out and I was like with my voice teacher doing warm ups, and I knew I was kind of pushing, didn't want to seem like I was giving up. I don't know. So I kind of went really high and I like felt this kind of like pop and I went to the ENT and they told me I'd hemorrhaged, but it's actually way less of a big deal than a node because it just kind of heals on its own versus a node needing to be taken out. For my hemorrhage, they were pretty much just like, you need to not talk for like two weeks. And then it's harder than it looks. I cried so much silently, but still cried in the library at school, like writing to my friends on like a whiteboard. And I was like, <laughs> my life is over. Yeah. No, I seriously thought my career was over, but it, it healed up. Like there's still maybe a tiny bit of scar tissue there, but it's fine. Like, it's funny to think as adults, someone telling us we can't talk for two weeks sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah. In high school, it was definitely harder than it would be now. Sure. Although... I'm, like, so ready to get back out into the world. I feel like I've spent so much time, like, not talking and because of the surgery and stuff. So eager to get out and do things, but I also, like, still am really recovering and, like, need to chill, and it's it's really hard to find that balance. Did you have health issues as a kid? I had a couple of febrile seizures when I was a kid, which is having a high fever and getting a seizure, which honestly in kids is actually really common. I think only, I don't know, 10 to 20% of kids that have fever seizures end up having epilepsy. I think I was like maybe 18 months and my mom just like sensed that something was wrong and looked on the baby monitor and saw that I was convulsing like the whole thing terrifying yeah yeah I mean I think they thought I was dying in that moment which was incredibly scary yeah so obviously like they rushed me to the hospital and and they were like you know this happens because as a baby I like had really high fevers and they started kind of learning that putting me in a cold bath would kind of stop it my dad said he would kind of see a certain look in my eyes and he was like mm, something's about to happen and he would put me in a cold bath but I think there were a couple other seizures maybe one or two but one of them lasted three to four minutes which is pretty long and is probably why I have epilepsy now I also I mean I was born jaundice like I've always kind of had some weird health stuff like stomach stuff and which I think we later learned in my life was really my gallbladder but that's we'll get there later I kind of always struggled a little bit with stuff got strep a lot and I think I just kind of was more prone to getting sick the seizures at once I turned two totally gone mm. in yeah. retrospect is there potential that the fever and seizure relation was actually epilepsy back then? Oh yeah, actually fevers are like a massive, massive uh, trigger for seizures. So it's possible that I had epilepsy already, but I'm not really sure because after that I didn't have a seizure again until I was 14. And when I did, I had no idea it was a seizure for many years. You just thought you were a great dancer? No, because I, I was awake. That's the thing is like with epilepsy, I'm actually going to be participating in this documentary that this girl is making about epilepsy, which I'm, I'm really excited about because I feel like there's so much that people don't know about it. And I didn't know. I didn't know that there were seizures that you could be awake and not convulse. I didn't know that. So we had. Sure, you could have seizures that your uh, ocular seizures that are just that make you. My very good friend has that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who had the same surgery as me. That's how we met. Her vision gets yeah. really weird and starry, and 
You've had that? Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. Do you have epilepsy? I don't know. I've never been tested for it, but I have uh, on occasion gone blind. I I see uh, wiggly things and then I can't see at all and it lasts and then it usually has a terrible headache associated. I just always assumed they were migraines, but the way you're describing it. could be migraine with aura though. Yeah. Maybe you should see a neurologist. Yeah, probably. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. (laughs) I was on a flight back from France. Like it was the first time I'd ever left the country. We did like a family trip and I had taken a nap and I woke up and I got this really weird feeling and didn't know where I was and got kind of tingly and just was really confused and then I kind of came out of it I just didn't really understand I tried to explain it to my parents I was like yeah I woke up and I just felt like really weird and kind of really anxious and they they were like oh you had a panic attack that's what it sounded like all the way through high school I would have them like every like four or five months at that point and it was always when I was waking up from sleep oh panic attack whatever and there was one actually though right after high school my friends and I were swimming and I had one because we had smoked a lot of weed and my friends kind of pulled me out like I didn't go under but I just I just it was clear I didn't really understand what was going on so they like pulled me out of the water and I just remember being like what the hell I just thought it was like I was too high or something and had a really bad panic attack in college I don't know I thought I was fine and then my senior year it started happening every two weeks maybe and same when you woke up mm -hmm. is there some sort of thing with waking up and seizures sleep and seizures are intertwined one of the biggest seizure triggers ever is not getting enough sleep but yeah so i was a senior and i don't know why i'm having these panic attacks i'm happy i'm thriving i don't understand i was talking to my dad and he just i think he was distracted but he was like oh like what are your panic attacks i didn't even think of it i was like i get this really intense feeling of deja vu and there's like always this Japanese woman and she's telling me the same thing and I know what she's gonna say but like after the panic attack I can't remember what she said and like I also can't read or speak a minute if I read something I remember looking at a text my friend was like when do you want me to pick you up and to me in that moment it was like like I was like what the hell and I say things that don't really make sense and my dad was like are you kidding me? That is not a panic attack. I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm gonna come down to Miami. So he came, which is where I was at school. He came down to Miami and took me to see Dr. Canner, who's at the U Miami hospital. And he's like a well-known neurologist. First of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the Japanese woman. I, I couldn't, that, you know, it's actually stopped, but it didn't stop until I was like 22, 23, but it was like every time. And you saw her outside of yourself or in your mind? In my mind. But I have one of my friends with epilepsy, he kind of had something similar, like he would always see his dad. And it was he was always saying the same thing to him. Deja vu is a super common aura thing. In the moment, I knew what she was saying. I was like, yeah, yeah, like get it over with. But I will Was never, it a warning? I don't know. I have no idea. Man. Seizures are really weird. Like, really fucking weird. But always the same woman. Yes. But you'd never seen her in real time. No. Whatever that means. No. Fascinating. Really weird. So far, this is my favorite part. All right. (laughs) So then... That's just wild. Yeah, it was... I remember... (laughs) I will never forget that phone call with my dad, because he was like what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I would have been like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, he was like, um, we're going to need to take you to the doctor, like, immediately. So we went to see this guy, Dr. Kanner, who's really wonderful. And, you know, we sat down with him in his office, and I spoke for a little bit, and he was like, you have epilepsy. No, I don't. I don't. And he was like, I mean, you can be in denial, but, like, you do. Those are partial seizures. They did an EEG... Which is kind of, you know, have you ever seen pictures yeah. when they, like, put I've them on your it. head? Sure. Yeah. They didn't really see much. They saw a little bit of weirdness happening in my left temporal lobe. And he tried to put me on medication. He put me on Lamictal. And I was on it for one day. And I freaked out and stopped. Because I'm just so sensitive. And the epilepsy meds really are not good for me like mentally which is not uncommon so I stopped it and I was like you know what my seizures aren't that serious like who cares whatever and then I went 
back to New York, you know, I was done with college and I started seeing this doctor, Dr. Jacobson, who's also really wonderful in Westchester. And he put me on Trileptol, which is another epilepsy med. I went with my friend to Europe for the summer. I was pretty okay, but I had really bad headaches literally every day and suddenly had a temper, which was not something that I'd had before. And like, there were a couple times that I like screamed at her. So when I got back from Europe, I was like, I don't wanna be on this, I don't like this. And then I was like, would you be okay if I tried medical marijuana? And he was like, sure. So this was like end of 2018. I started taking pills that were like 20 milligram CBD, one milligram THC twice a day. Didn't have a seizure for 16 months. Thought I was cured living my best life. I moved out here January 2019. I was driving, so happy. And then like, I, I truly was like, oh, I'm cured. Like that was, that was easy, whatever. And then November 2019, I was in a session with some friends and I had a seizure. Music session. Yeah. And I have like a voice memo of it. When I'm having a seizure, I can't say that I'm having a seizure. Like I can't find the words. And they didn't know what was going on. So they were trying to guess what was happening. I guess I was kind of like saying like, and they were like, like they had no idea what was happening. They were like, um, I don't know. I don't know. And then eventually once I was out of it, they were like, oh, when I told them and I sent it to my neurologist and he was like, your friends are not very bright. <laughs> I don't know. They just had no idea. Do they know ahead of time that you had this issue so that... I wasn't really talking about it. I mean, it's pretty private, I suppose. I mean, well, kind of, you watched the Kickstarter video. Yeah, I kind of mentioned in that. When I moved here, yeah, it was pretty easy at the time to pretend that I didn't have epilepsy because I wasn't having seizures. I was taking the medical marijuana. So I was like, oh, why would I tell people about it? Like, you know, and it's this girl who's going to be doing this documentary that I'm going to be working on with her. We spoke a couple weeks ago and she was saying she didn't really tell anybody about her epilepsy for a really long time and somehow hit it even though hers like her she like convulses and stuff but she's just felt so embarrassed by it which is really sad and I get it because I've felt I don't know if embarrassed is the right word but like worried that I'm going to seem burdensome broken yeah or Mm. like worried that people don't want to handle it and like are freaked out by it when I was like dating and stuff I wasn't really telling people I mean I started dating somebody at the end of 2019 and we dated two years on and off and I think I told him relatively early on because I was having seizures again like right after we met and I try really honestly I'm very open about it because I think it's, you know, it should not be something to be ashamed of. Like, it's not my fault. It's a brain disease, you know? And I think there's just a lot that people don't understand. We, like, lived together during the pandemic at his parents' house. And he was incredibly supportive and not judgmental, which meant a lot to me. And he was very much there for me through a lot of a lot of epilepsy stuff, which I really appreciate. But you know, it did definitely cause stress in our relationship, like when my epilepsy was getting really bad, because it was scary for him, it was scary for me, and it was... What do you think made it get worse? So in 2020, I was still kind of pretending that I was healthy. I had, over a couple years, like 2017 to 2019, 2020, maybe 2018 more, I was kind of losing weight, and I didn't really know why, and I like had no appetite but I was just like oh it must be like one of the antidepressants I'm on or like whatever and I was kind of fine with it because I was like oh I look good and people kind of were treating me differently and it was which is annoying right now I'm like 140 and I got down to like 115 yeah that's a lot no it was not good it was not good but and because like every time I took a bite of food I like felt like I couldn't breathe and we went to all these stomach doctors over the years and they were just like I don't know so I was living in Kansas City with my boyfriend at the time and it was just getting worse we drove I remember like very specifically we drove from Missouri to New York in like June to see my parents and I was in the fetal position the entire drive 
I just didn't understand what was going on. And I was literally (laughs) constipated for two weeks straight. And I was like, something is seriously wrong. And, you know, any physical illness just exacerbates epilepsy. Any sort of stress on your body exacerbates it. So I came back to LA, honestly spent most of, I was with Roger actually all the time. Our mutual friend. Yes, who was lovely. And And very talented. We were hanging out every day and I was just like in the fetal position on his couch or in the car or we went to Malibu one day and I was like in unbelievable pain. Got to the point where I was constipated for three weeks straight. I went to Were you a having doctor. any movements? No. Okay. Nothing. Wow. I went to a doctor. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And I went to the, a doctor at UCLA. He was like, well, I'll just like take some laxatives. And I was like, no, something's like seriously wrong. And he was like, you're fine, whatever. And then I ended up eventually, I w- my shoulder started really hurting. And I was talking to my cousin and I was like, I don't know, I've been having these stomach issues and I don't know, my shoulder like somehow is injured. And she was like, wait, is it your left shoulder? And I was like, yes. And she was like, something's wrong with your gallbladder. Like that's textbook gallbladder if you have left shoulder pain and stomach pain. So I went to urgent care and the doctor there was like, you're fine. And I was like, no, you have to do a fucking ultrasound because something is wrong. And he was like, ugh, fine, whatever. I hate that. I know. So much. No, he was totally not listening to me. And I was like, something is really wrong. So I get this ultrasound. And you know how, like, the people who do that, they're not supposed to tell you things. But she was doing the ultrasound. And she was like, I know that I'm not supposed to talk to you. But you need to call a surgeon, like, right now. Because your gallbladder is literally about to explode. And she probably knows that you're going to be... What? Yeah. You know, shoved off by doctors. Well, no, once... Oh, God. Once they saw the pictures of my gallbladder, they were like, holy shit. You need to get surgery, like, right now. What is the gallbladder responsible for? That's the bile? Yes. So, yeah, the bile duct, which that also got destroyed, but that's... I'll get to that. So, went back to New York, went to NYU, and... That's laparoscopic, yes? It can be... First of all, why is your arm... Is it referred pain, the left just, arm? Yeah, I think it's wow, just referred pain. It was really weird. I, I truly thought that I like pulled a muscle. I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we went to this doctor at NYU, and I didn't even... He looked at the pictures of the ultrasound, and he was like, oh, God, yeah. I, or maybe he even just looked at the report, and he like scheduled the surgery for like the next week. Gallbladder removal, which is a cholecystectomy, like, it's supposed to be quite easy, It is usually laparoscopic. Mine was laparoscopic, but they also can do it open. And honestly, they probably should have done mine open because maybe they would have seen what was about to happen. But it's basically, they took my gallbladder out. I went home. It's really not supposed to be a big deal. And like a week in, I was just not doing well. Like I felt, honestly, I kind of felt like I was dying, which I guess I would have if we didn't do anything and I had a fever and we called my surgeon he was like oh just stand outside it was it was like December yeah and I was like what then I think this was like seven days after is this not malpractice we wanted to sue and we thought that it was a seven-year statute of limitations and just found out it's only two and a half years and I just missed it which sucks we we've talked to some lawyers about it but it is what it is my mom and I were driving to the mall and like I don't have the best memory but there are some of these moments that are so clear like we were driving to the mall and she looked at me and she was like okay your eyes are fully yellow and like I looked at the car mirror and I was like oh my god oh no yeah liver liver yeah yeah and so we called the doctor and he was like okay that's actually a serious problem like you need to come oh gee you think buddy yeah (laughs) you need to come back by the time I got there my whole body was yellow. I looked like I'd been in the sun. I remember the nurse being like, whoa, you are really jaundiced. And, you know, they took some blood tests and they're like, okay, your liver is like totally blocked. Bile ducts connected to the liver bone, right? Yeah. Is that how that works? So it turned out that my bile duct was completely twisted, which that's not supposed to happen, obviously. Did that happen from the surgery? Did that happen from the... uh, Yeah. So when they pulled that puppy out, they something happened something happened and they didn't realize it obviously so this guy dr haber 
who did a lot of surgeries on me after that, but he was like, yeah, there's probably just a stone stuck. It's not a big deal. It'll be like 30 minutes. They do an ERCP, which is an endoscopic procedure. Somehow they can get from your mouth to your bile doctor. We are just a tube. Whatever. That's all we are. Yeah. (laughs) Technically, that's what we are. We're a tube. That is true. And so he, I go into this surgery He's like, it's me 30 minutes. Like, three hours go by, and my parents are like, what is going on? What what the hell? And I wake up, and I hear him, you know, I was really out of it, but I hear him telling my parents, like, yeah, her bile duct got kinked and, like, twisted, so we had to put a stent in, and we're going to need to do a, a fair number of these over the next year. And to I just, expand the, bi- the duct? Yes. I just started sobbing because I was like, are you kidding me right now? And the stents were just hell for me. So that was the end of 2020. So through 2021, I got nine of those procedures. All endoscopic? Yeah. But the problem is, is like, I don't know. The stents were just incredibly painful for me. I got pancreatitis like three times, which... Inflammation of the pancreas? Is that all that means? Or is that... Yeah, but pancreatitis is known to be like one of the most painful. Screaming, fetal position. Oh my God. I mean, the amount of opiates. And the pancreas is responsible for insulin. I think so. I should know this. Yeah, that's that's our (laughs) insulin production. Yes. And then... So that must have been sending your blood sugars all over the map too. I don't know so much. It was it was more my liver enzymes that were kind of going crazy. Oof. Um, your and, poor body. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously I started um, having more, like, partial seizures. And then in July 2021, I had my first, like, adult grand mal seizure. I hadn't had a grand mal seizure since I was a baby. It's actually called a tonic-clonic seizure, but most people know it. As yeah, grandma, grandma yeah. Um, because I had this idea that that wasn't possible for me. I had these partial seizures. I was still driving. I was like, eh, that's fine. What does a grandma do to you? That's like fully passing out, convulsing. For me, I like stop breathing for sometimes like forty seconds. Yeah, not good. And it was in, it was interesting. My grandma had like rushed me to the hospital. It was a couple days after I got my stent switch, and I was like in extreme pain. And it turned out it was like infected, and I think had fallen into my small intestine. But we got to the hospital, and I was like begging them for morphine, and I think they thought that I was a, a drug junkie. addict. Yeah. Yeah. And my grandma was like, "No, you don't understand." She's been through all this stuff and they were kind of like ignoring us even though they were empty and the second they got me into the hospital bed I went into a full grand mal seizure I think the pain was just too much and my body was like okay I can't do this I'm shutting down bye and I woke up and my grandma was sobbing and it was just terrible for everybody it traumatized her it traumatized my parents who were on the phone when it was happening and they like thought I was dying because my grandma was like screaming and it was not good but that day definitely changed my life before had had these partial seizures that like yeah they were annoying but like I could kind of get through with them like I was you know like I could kind of hide it and it wasn't like I could I have had a partial while driving and I was fine like it didn't affect my motor skills but once I had that grand mal I remember like being on the phone with my ex-boyfriend and we were together at the time and just I don't think my life's ever gonna be the same after this and he was like no no I don't I don't know I just knew it was different so I stopped driving I was living here and I was hoping you know okay if I get if I go six months without a grand mal I can drive again and I was doing pretty well went home for Christmas break had a massive grand mal seizure at home thank god you were at home though I was in bed with my mom we were just like hanging out and I had been crying about something and then it was just like like it just I woke up to paramedics standing over me and I was like what happened whatever and do you have siblings I have an older sister yeah after that you know my parents were like you you need to move back here you can't live across the country right now and be having these seizures. Like, this is not working. 
Um, Meanwhile, in LA, you're trying to pursue your career. Yeah, I really didn't do much in 2021 because of the stent surgeries. I was honestly in bed 90% of the time. I actually kind of stopped playing music in 2021. They put me back on epilepsy meds after the grand mal seizure, and the one they put me on called Vimpat was the only one that ever didn't make me depressed, but it made me... It made music honestly sound like nails on a chalkboard, and I don't know why, but... I like stopped listening to music, stopped playing. And that med also gave me debilitating anxiety. And then like I switched to another medication and blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped them again. And then I had that huge seizure. My parents were like, okay, you have to come back. If I remember correctly, we're having some bouts of depression through this. Who wouldn't really? Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, 2021 was a really rough year. My ex kind of, got me through the second half of that year like we had broken up the first half of 2021 and then we got back together the second half of 2021 and he was really supportive we were long distance but he was you know we were talking every day and I was seeing him every couple weeks and that was like the light of my life at the time and then January 2022 we break up and I get put on like a new epilepsy med and yeah my depression started going absolutely bonkers and I started seeing this new neuropsychiatrist who I will not name because I hate her. She completely gaslit me and my parents and told me that the side effects were all in my head and that I needed to be on epilepsy meds and that I was not a candidate for brain surgery. And she was just like, you just need to suck it up because you have to stay on these meds. So in 2022, I went through like, oh my God, I don't, oh God. I've been on 10 epilepsy meds total, which is ridiculous. They absolutely ripped my mental health to shreds to the point where in March, 2022, my parents sent me to Sierra Tucson, which is like a rehab facility, whether it's for sobriety, depression, you know, and it it was, I, I needed to be there. Like I was... I was becoming very, very suicidal. I was not doing well. And I went there and it was okay, you know. I came back home and, I don't know, they put me on this other medication and I was sobbing every day. And what was <laughs> what was ridiculous is it wasn't even stopping my seizures. I was still having a partial seizure like once every three weeks, which was what it usually was anyways. So they kept switching the meds. I got sent to multiple rehab places there was one in california that was a nightmare there was one in nashville rehab for your mental health or rehab for your brain mental health like an inpatient therapy thing and i was the whole time i was like this is not me but i was becoming so suicidal i was having a very hard time with the breakup because you know he had become my safe person you know, we were still talking, but like we shouldn't have been. And it got really messy. Like there was this point in July of 2022, my parents really wanted to go on on a week vacation, but they were worried that I was going to kill myself when they were gone. So my ex ended up coming for a week. That's a lot of pressure. On him? Yeah. Well, my parents ended up paying him it was not a good situation for anybody did you know that he was being paid yes but i didn't really care because i was in the darkest place ever and i just was like i don't know what to do and it it did not feel good it didn't i I, it didn't feel good for him either like it it felt awful for me too like it felt i don't ever ever in my life want to have to pay somebody to like be there for me ever That's the last time I ever saw him in person, actually. But we continued talking, actually, until quite recently, like a couple months ago, when we decided to go no contact. But Were you taking the suicidal ideations to their limits? Um, Before I went to Sierra Tucson, I had self-harmed. And then... Cutting? Yeah. So then, in like... September, I started at this really fucked up outpatient, inpatient therapy place in the city. 
I honestly will say their name because I hate them so much. It's called The Dorm. I lived at this place called Dwell and it was like run by two people who literally were not mental health professionals. It was an incredibly traumatic experience. Where? In, in New York? Yeah. When I was there, I attempted twice and like once in my room and then another time I like almost jumped in front of a subway and then I was like stopped myself and I ended up they ended up making me go to the psych ward that night and I was just I was just so done because nobody was hearing me my neuropsychiatrist had kind of gaslit my parents into thinking that I was crazy like I remember telling her and this neurologist they were at Columbia by the way it's not like they were just some random people and I said to them I feel like I'm about a thousand times more likely to die from suicide than a seizure. And they were like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm literally going to end my life. Like, I can't live like this. Like, these meds have stripped me of my personality. I lost best friends. One of my best friends, who was like a best friend of mine for like eight years, she couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah, most of my friends honestly weren't really, a lot of them weren't really there for me during that time. I forgive them because I was not me and it was getting really hard like it had been well you carried quite a burden on your own too I feel like of course but like I you know so my and my ex was kind of I was still leaning on him really heavily because we just had become so trauma bonded but like he was ready to move on and I was like I can't do this without you and it just started getting really unhealthy which like god if i could go back and change things i would you know i can't and we both really care about each other still and like i hope he doesn't hate me i don't think he does you know but we basically agreed to go no contact for a year a couple months ago after my brain surgery and it's been really good for me getting trauma bonded to somebody is not a joke <laughs> like if you go through really hard shit and you go through it with somebody my brain was like you cannot do this without him and I met my current therapist in March of this year this was I don't know a really profound moment for me like I was crying to her and I was like I can't like live without him I can't do this without him and she said you can you just don't want to but you can and like that kind of I don't honestly kind of shifted my perspective a little bit I actually do have a choice here even though my brain was telling me like no you're gonna die without him things got really rough yeah like I said if I could go back in time I would but I'm very grateful for how much he was there for me during that and just anybody that was there for me because I know it was hard and yeah I lost a fair amount of people from my life sickness is hard for people it's really hard my personality changed that was like mm. in 2022 because of the meds I became like I wasn't me anymore I didn't have like a light in my eyes anymore I didn't have like <clears throat> like a sense of humor I like I was just like a shell and yeah. and also people go through their own stuff too we were in a pandemic totally people and forgot how to human in a lot of yeah, ways yeah and I didn't have the energy or space really to be supportive no towards my friends you shouldn't have had to have been well but like, what you're saying is is true is they were going through stuff too mm -hmm. and but i couldn't be there for them and like i wish i could i was just trying to survive the day totally i yeah. was just like i don't want to be on this planet anymore like if this is what my life's gonna be so then thankfully i met my current neurologist, his name is Dr. Kuznicki, and this was actually like four days after I attempted suicide for the second time, and my parents were like, come on, let's, like, we got, we heard good things about him, he's at Lenox Hill, let's just go see him, and we went, and he was like, oh my god, this is not working, you need to get off these meds, this is insane, they're not even stopping your seizures, you're trying to kill yourself, what the fuck? I don't know why any doctor did this to you, but we're getting you off of these and you're totally a candidate for brain surgery. I have absolutely no idea what they were talking about. In January 2023, I went into the hospital for like mm, 10 days and they took me off the meds while having me on an EEG and I had a seizure, which was what they wanted. Not a grand mal, but they saw 
that it was coming from my left temporal lobe. We started kind of prepping for brain surgery tests and the withdrawal from the meds was rough, but about three weeks in, my parents were like, whoa, you're like you again. And it was like, I was seeing my friends and they were like, oh my God. And I'm so much more me now. Like then I was still like really dealing with everything. And this was a funny thing that my surgeon said. He, I think this was before the second surgery because the first surgery was this thing called an SEEG, which is actually torture and I would wish it on nobody. It's an intracranial EEG. Basically they put you to sleep, drill like 13 holes into your brain, put electrodes in there, and then you have to stay in a bed for like two weeks. Not, you're not even allowed to get up to pee. Torture, and it's very painful, but the reason they do it is so they can see exactly where the seizures are coming from. And I had a big seizure while I was there and they saw that it was coming from my hippocampus. And the thing is, so there's different options for epilepsy brain surgery, like the most successful one, but like biggest deal is them taking out a piece of your brain, which I know a couple of people who have had that, but when they discovered it was in my hippocampus, they were like, if we take out a part of your hippocampus, there's like a 90% chance you're not gonna have any short-term memory function. And I was like, no, like I'm not doing that, obviously. There's lasering, but they didn't have a good spot and they wanted to do another SEEG and my doctor was like, no, no, we're not putting her through this again. We decided on the RNS, which I have now, which is a responsive neurostimulator. And it's basically, it's like this big, that's what four inches mm. three inches yeah i'm not good with that kind of thing i don't know i have no idea the size of an okay symbol of your hand yeah a little bit yeah. bigger yeah so they had to you know on july 6th was my surgery and they have to cut out a piece of your skull and put it in there and they drill in like a couple holes to put two different electrodes in that will be sending electric signals like shocks and stuff are you awake during this procedure? Hell no. That is such like a myth and people ask me that all the time. People always think that you're awake during brain surgery. That's like very rare. Is it? The only it's time always on TV. They were like, yeah. all right, say the alphabet and they're drilling away. The on only something. time you're like awake during brain surgery is if they're working on something that is your language center for this. No, hell no. They knew where it was going to be put. Like they weren't taking out anything. So what? They just put it, lie it down on top of the brain? Mm-hmm. Stick the little stickies in there? Well, like, they go deep. Those go deep in. Yeah, it's like wires. How do you wrap yourself around the concept of all of this? Somebody's rooting around in your cranium, plucking little wires here and there. I was so desperate at this point to get away from anything with the medications that I was like I don't even care just do it and I would do anything to get these seizures to stop and so- I'd honestly had so many surgeries at that point I had I've had 13 in the past couple years that I was used to it to like a disturbing degree mm-hmm. like I would just give my arm and I was like yeah whatever just like put the IV in and give me propofol like and the amount of times that I've had to go through opiate withdrawal like so bad so bad because I had to be on pain meds obviously but then I would end up being on Dilaudid which is very strong for like three weeks and drug of poets (laughs) yeah that that drug is crazy yeah I don't know I think that I just kind of had to pretend it wasn't happening I just had to kind of be in I don't know the only way is kind of just to be like okay this is happening I'm doing it like device in your brain anticipates when your brain's gonna have a seizure how does it work so it sends like um an electric shock it's basically it's a neuromodulation device it's trying to retrain the brain so anytime it's seeing like a spike in my brain waves in my hippocampus it's like sending a shock it's like hey stop don't do that is it gonna be a dumbass question is it battery operated yes i have to get the battery changed in like four years but that's not as big of a deal because they don't need to like take out my skull again how do they change the battery they just open the skin and put in a new one okay so that's it's not a big deal so badass no (laughs) it's not like a bionic woman over here yeah no i i like am a cyborg which is which is wild 
Yeah, and it's on the lowest setting right now because they have to turn it up slowly. Otherwise, the opposite effect will happen, which is like, it can shock you into having a seizure. It's not a quick fix. It's after one year, people usually, it's like an average of 70% decrease in seizures. After two, it's like 83%. After three, it's like 87%. Like it keeps getting better and better. And what I really like about the RNS is it's reversible. You know, brain surgery where you get a piece taken out, like once that's out, that's out. There's no going back. The RNS has only been around 10 years. There's like only 10,000 people that have it. And I actually have a matching tattoo with one of those people whose name is Deandra and she is amazing. She's the one that has the ocular, or it's, it's in her occipital lobe. We got this cause like lightning for Lightning McQueen and like shocking and we also can't drive. So we were like, that's hilarious. You know, there's still so much research happening. Just like medical research in general right now is like accelerating at a very fast pace. So like, we don't know what the epilepsy treatment is going to be in 10 years because 10 years ago this didn't even exist brain is deep space i, I look to yeah. the brain as it is akin to deep space in the universe yeah it's it's very crazy i have hope that in like you know 10 years there's going to be there will definitely be different stuff and who knows like I, you know, and right now, like I had, I had two seizures last week. They weren't grand mal seizures, but you know, I'm already noticing the benefits. Cause like in the past, after a seizure, I would be really depressed and tired for like three, four days. But last week, the two seizures I had the next day, I was totally fine, which was nice. And I download it onto a computer every night. I have like a wand and a laptop and I like download like I put the wand on my head and then I like send it to them via an ethernet cable so my doctor can see it is recording 24 7 my doctor can see 24 7 it's basically a 24 7 EEG in your brain that also like sends shock signals no one can ever kidnap you I don't know you're tracked you can be tracked I don't know if it has like a location thing Unless I had the computer, maybe, but I don't, I don't, that would be ridiculous if it was like a chip, like a cat Yeah, when it's like a little apple, (laughs) a little tile is in there. (laughs) I don't think they have a tracker in it. That would, I mean, that wouldn't be like a terrible idea for like family members to have, but no, I think that would be a little, that'd be a little too far. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. I mean, I let my parents obviously have my location and whatnot. I mean, just before I got to LA, literally less than 20, uh, less than 48 hours before, you know, song suffragettes. Yeah. I was at the one in New York. I played it in August. It was great. And two days before I came here, I was at the one in New York and I was watching my friend perform. And next thing I knew there was people standing over me and an ambulance called and I had had a pretty bad grand mal seizure and I like smacked my head on the floor and now I have a concussion, which I've never had. And I, you know, coming to LA for the month, I really wanted to do a lot of songwriting, but honestly, a really big part of the past of the work I've been doing in therapy this year is radical acceptance. And just like practicing anything, like I'm getting a lot better at it. And just, I've been okay while I've been here this month because I'm like, you know what? Like, I haven't really been able to songwrite this month because my brain is just not really up for it. And that doesn't mean that, like, I can't songwrite ever again. It doesn't mean, like, if I move here when I'm 28 or 29, it doesn't matter. There's How old no, are you now? I'm 27. I just turned 27. There's no time limit. And it's really, you know, tomorrow's three months from the brain surgery. Like, it has not been that long. I definitely have seen how, like, pushing myself is filled with consequences when I push myself for a couple days I feel like really terrible after and like ill and like like literally yesterday I laid in bed all day and today before you came because I was like okay I know I'm gonna have this so I need to like mentally prepare by like doing literally nothing yeah I was diagnosed with with PTSD like a couple months ago which like obviously I'd be shocked if you didn't have that. No, that'd be weird. Is it is it disrespectful to say shocked? No, I didn't. No, I love that. I love a good pun. Um, but yeah, I, I had 
I remember I'd said to my surgeon, I was like, I feel like I have, I'm going to like, have, like I have PTSD. And he, he said, Lauren, you don't even have PTSD yet. Like you're still in the TSD. He was like, you're not in the post yet. Yeah. Like it's, you're not even there yet. And yeah. like, honestly, he was right because like I was living in survival mode. And then two months ago, kind of once I was out of the surgery and going up, these nightmares have started that like, you know, it's the stereotypical PTSD thing of having like the same two nightmares like over and over. It's either I'm like trapped in a hospital and like locked in a hospital room and like no one can hear me or I'm like the other one is like I'm being sent to like some sort of rehab place and everybody thinks I'm crazy and no one will listen to me that it's the epilepsy med and I had a dream the other night that I was like locked away in like a jail kind of thing and when I wake up from those dreams it's incredibly distressing it takes me like an hour to kind of like be like okay that's not real like that's not happening anymore and also recently my anxiety levels have been bananas it's really annoying and yeah, I'll be like to my therapist or psychiatrist. I'm like, I don't know why I'm so anxious recently. Like, ugh. and they're like, what do you mean? It would be weird if you didn't have anxiety right now. I would be freaked out if you didn't have anxiety right now. The thing about epilepsy is just, it is not predictable. Yeah. So right now I'm having a lot of anxiety every day of like, when am I going to have another huge seizure they my doctor i spoke to her the other day and she was like okay it's time to turn up the device because you're like having a lot of seizures so when i go back to new york we're gonna turn it up which they basically just like put a wand over it and they're like they like click a button and they're like okay oh that's nice they don't have yeah. to get in there oh my god hell no no that'd be freaking crazy put a zipper up there hell no no um <laughs> but and your hair's growing back although it looks super cute yeah, short you know it's kind of grown on me. Um, you kind of have a Sarah McLachlan 90s vibe. <laughs> so I was wearing a wig a lot. But honestly, <laughs> I'm sure he'll end up listening to this podcast, but I've told him this. this. I've been hanging out with a guy while I've been here. First thing since having that long relationship, and it's been really good for me. And honestly, he has really helped me get comfortable with this hair because... One of my biggest worries with it was like, no guy is going to be attracted to me with this hair. And on our first date, I wore a wig. And then the second time we hung out, I was like, I don't feel like wearing this like five pound wool hat right now. And he was like, I don't care. And he was like, you look beautiful. What? Someone can be attracted to me and interested in me like with this hair. And it, it kind of changed things. I haven't really put a wig on. Good. You look beautiful. Thank you. He's not the yeah. only one that thinks that. <laughs> but I'm a, I appreciate the Thank fact you. that he said so. Yeah, it just kind of... But I get it. I get that it was, it's got to be bizarre to go from having your hair to suddenly having no hair oh, and then to have to... Very upsetting. And femininity in this culture is no, that's wrapped kind of what up I've been in hair. With. And, and I, what's, it, what's been interesting is I honestly didn't really use to wear makeup much, but I've been wearing it every day your eyes look great <laughs> thank you yeah. i've gotten i've gotten better at the wing eyeliner because i've been doing it every teach day me how to do that it oh looks really good <laughs> but um i just find that it helps me connect to my femininity a little bit and helps me feel better about my day and stuff like when i don't wear makeup i feel like i kind of look like a young boy which is fine my femininity definitely is something that's important to me, which there's nothing wrong with that. I like feeling like a girl. Like, Absolutely. You know, and definitely cutting the hair, I was like, oh my God, I look like a freaking egg. Yeah, it's getting to a better length now. Like it looks, it looks purposeful. Before it was kind of like the scar was like really visible and like it was kind of like a patchy like buzz cut going on. But I, <laughs> I've had multiple people approaching me I love your hair. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, it was not a choice, but thank you anyways. Yeah, and I, I have a couple of friends, including Roger, who are like, no, you never grow it out. You have to keep it like this it's forever. It's super cute. Um, but I keep on short hair. I had yeah. hair very, very short at one time. And, really? And I loved it, but the upkeep is a pain in the ass. Oh, I feel like this is the easiest hair I've ever yeah, had. Yeah, I had to cut my hair every three weeks, it felt like, oh. to make it stay in shape. Right. Well, that's fair. But the everyday care is so minor oh just, for sure i just put a little gel on it and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really interested i think it'll be fun kind of to see like the different phases of growth 
like it'll when it gets like more a little bit mullety and then it'll be kind of like pigtail like, a, like a short bob mm-hmm. kind of thing but mm-hmm. the other night I performed um, at writer's block and I played on a stage without a wig for the first time which was a big step to get up there with this hair which just feels like so vulnerable I felt good for some reason when I'm wearing a wig I feel like I'm not being genuine even though that's not really true like we don't realize like celebrities are wearing wigs in like literally everything mm-hmm. like true. we don't know mm-hmm. and it's or they either have extensions like none of them it's not they don't all just have magically like thick well, long no, hair no because they've been beating their hair to death for years and yeah. so most of them are probably thinning oh yeah honestly yeah they have wigs or whatever but yeah I don't know but I'm you know I'm finally playing music again let's talk about the kickstarter yes yeah you know I was I like honestly never thought I would do one and it's for a record yes I have a lot of songs that I've written since you know 2019 that I really love and I've wanted to put out music for a long time but you know I got really, really sick, and it just, the time, I kept getting more sick and more sick, and it was just not happening. And, like, before brain surgery, I was just, like, after this, like, I am recording an album. Like, I want to put these songs out there. I'm not letting this destroy my life anymore. I'm not letting this disability stop me from, like, continuing with my passion and the thing that I love. And I, yeah, so I felt kind of weird about doing it and I still feel a little weird it's it's a little unco- it's uncomfortable asking people for money you know I haven't been able to work for years so I haven't been able to save up and I was like you know what I have been through enough this is okay I can do this and I posted on my birthday which was October 1st and the first day was insane it got up to like 8,000 out of 20,000 which was the the best birthday gift ever and made me feel really supported and like people are excited to hear my music and I'm so excited to share it. I already kind of have the producers that I'm going to be working with and one of them is in Nashville and one of them is in New York and who do you have in Nashville? Um, her name's Elise Hulo. She's great. She's really great. And this guy Colin Rowe in Brooklyn who he actually just moved from Nashville. The person that is going to master it has done like little big town stuff like that so it, it's i'm really excited well tell people how they find you i guess maybe the best place right now is instagram which is just my name uh lauren reiner r-e-i-n-e-r they can reach me on email <laughs> at lauren reiner at gmail.com and yeah i mean i'm on the you know normal socials like tiktok facebook blah 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 but i would say that i do the most posting on on instagram and your kickstarter is accessible through yes it is in the link in my bio great yeah lauren thank you thank you for having me (laughs) you're a trooper (laughs) thank you i am trying a lot of people wouldn't have survived all of that yeah I, I didn't I, think I would. I, you know. But. Yeah. I just, I hope that you leave room to to realize that about yourself. Yeah. I, I've i been working on it, and it's definitely been, like, the self-appreciation and respect has kind of gotten better as I've gotten a little bit further away. I'm like, oh, shit. Actually, I'm, like, really strong for getting through this. This is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure your family is thrilled. I'm glad you're still here. Yeah. No, of course. (laughs) Welcome to your new life. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Maybe get yourself a cute helmet so you don't get a concussion. I've honestly thought about that, but I don't want to walk around wearing a helmet. Yeah. Maybe like a little plate inside the wig or something. I I think there are beanies that have like a helmet kind of insert. But I don't want to be living in fear. I don't know. Uh, oh, I get that. You know. What about a service dog that is trained to smell your your chemistry changing before a seizure? I've watched so many TikToks about those dogs. Yeah, they're amazing, but I it is a huge responsibility. Like huge to have a dog, obviously, and I'm not sure that I But they're supposed to be taking care of you. I know, but you also have to take care of them. Of course. Like, going on, like, multiple walks a day and paying for food and, like, you know, I'm just, like, I don't know if I... If... 
Like, if a dog genuinely could sniff, like, five minutes before I was having a seizure, that would be incredible. That's what they do. I don't know. I'll ask my doctor about it. I'll send you some TikToks. Yeah, definitely send me some TikToks. I would love, I would love to see them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, love. Thank you. And thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.